Okay, well, we're moving our way through uh, Luke's Gospel. So today we're looking at Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 35 to 48. Okay, let's hear from God's Word. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, Blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given Uh, of him much will be required and from him to whom they entrusted much they will demand the more okay let's pray heavenly father as we listen to your word now we ask for your holy spirit's work uh, to be evident in our lives lord that we would be uh, have our minds enlightened to your truth that you'd have our hearts turned toward you, Father, and that we would embrace what you are saying to us uh, so that we would be ready on the day when Jesus returns. We pray it in his name. Amen. So this passage is all about the second coming of Jesus. Uh, The second coming, it's a very important event. It's a major theme in the Bible. Do you know there are over 300 references to the second coming of Jesus and what that day will involve uh, in the Bible? Uh, This is a core belief of the Christian faith. You can't make sense of the Christian faith unless there's a second coming. You can't make sense of the world unless there's a second coming. You can't make sense of your life unless there is a second coming of Jesus. 
and, and so this is a central truth of the Christian faith. <clears throat> but in this passage, Jesus wants us not only to believe in the second coming, but more importantly, he wants you to be ready. He wants you to be ready for his return. And so he tells this parable, which is all about getting ready. And in the parable, he teaches us three things. He tells us the need to be ready. He tells us what it looks like to be ready. And finally, he tells us how you can be ready. So let's look at those three things. First, the need to be ready. That's in this first paragraph, verses 35 to 40. Uh, Jesus tells uh, this, this parable about uh, servants waiting for their master to return home from a wedding. And as you know, weddings um, don't usually have a finish time. Uh, they hardly have a start time either. They just sort of have to wait around for um, bride and groom to get there. But uh, they don't have a set finish time. And in those days, weddings would go far longer than they do today. Uh, they could even last for days. So the servants, here they are waiting for their master to return. They have no idea when he's going to get back. And this was in the days before phones, so he couldn't just text them ahead saying, you know, back in 20 minutes, make sure the light's on. Uh, these servants had no way of knowing when he would be back, but they had to be ready. They had to be awake uh, for whenever it was that he got back. And so even if he got home at 2 in the morning or 2 the next day, they needed to make sure that they were ready, that they were awake, that they were dressed, ready to serve, uh, ready to open the door as soon as they heard him knock. And there's no doubt what this parable is teaching. Uh, it's teaching us uh, that Je well, Jesus is saying that to his disciples, I want you to be like those servants. I want you to be ready, awake and waiting for the master's return. And who is the master? The master in the parable stands for Jesus. See, Jesus is telling his disciples that one day he is going away, but eventually he will return. And so he's saying to them, I want you to make sure you are ready for that return. And Jesus has actually been talking a lot about this in Luke's gospel. Uh, we've been looking at Luke chapter 12 for the last um, well, three sermons. They've been broken up a little bit because uh, I went away, but, but we've been learning all about being ready for the future, that there's an, a future event that's happening that we need to make sure we're living our lives in light of now. And Jesus has actually been on about this ever since Luke chapter 9, verse 51, which is a turning point in Luke's gospel. Uh, that's the point in which Jesus starts heading towards Jerusalem. And he's heading towards Jerusalem for a big event, he will be crucified. He will, he will be buried. Three days later, he will rise again. That's where he's heading with his disciples. And so he's been preparing them for that event as they walk towards Jerusalem, constantly teaching them. And he's, but not only that, he's actually been preparing them for what will happen beyond the cross and resurrection. He's been preparing them for the time after he leaves. After he departs, he goes away. And he's been preparing them for that time between his departure and his return. Now that time between Jesus' departure and return, in the Bible it's called the last days. 
the last days. The reason it's called the last days is because it's the time where there's only one event left on God's calendar, one big event, and that is the return of the king. And when the king comes again, when Jesus comes again, that will mean the end of the world as we know it. That will be the big wrap-up of everything that God has been planning and achieving through uh, his son. And that day when Jesus returns will be the day of reckoning. Every single person, all of you here, including me, we will all stand before the judge. Our lives will be assessed based on what we did with God, how we related to God. And we've actually been getting hints of this right through chapter 12. If you've got your Bible open, have a look at verse 2 where Jesus says that nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. In verses 4 and 5, Jesus talks about that we shouldn't fear those who kill the body, rather fear him who has the power to cast you into hell. And uh, then we had the parable of the rich fool. Remember what that was about. Jesus was showing us how foolish it is to live as if here and now is all that matters. How foolish it is to live without thinking about eternity, without investing in eternity. See, all through, Jesus has been saying you've got to live your lives in light of the future. Every single day is to be lived in light of the future and now he's saying that that will all happen, judgment day, on the day he comes again, when he returns. And so the question is, are you ready for that? Are you ready for when he comes? Now, notice the remarkable thing that happens when Jesus turns up, though. Have a look at the parable. When the master returns and he finds all of his servants ready and waiting, what does he do? Does he order them to, um, you know, set a table, get out a meal for him, set out his pyjamas and stuff so he can get ready for bed? No, look what he does. Verse 37. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Uh, Now, this is really the most striking thing about this parable. If you were one of the original listeners there on that day, you would be thinking, what? (laughs) That makes no sense at all. Servants aren't served by their master. That never happens. Uh, That's just not the way it's done. I mean, it would almost be like, imagine if you went to Buckingham Palace and you were walking around and you stumbled into a room where you found the queen busy washing up after her maids have eaten a meal that she cooked for them. Um, now, obviously, she's too old to do that now. But you would, if, if you saw that, you would be speechless. That's not meant to happen. That's exactly what people would be thinking when they heard this parable. That's not meant to happen. But do you see that this master is like no other? This is a master who serves his servants. And uh, this is why the, you know, no wonder the servants are so excited for him to come home. No wonder they're so eager to wait up to see him. 
No wonder they are so eager to serve him because they know what it is to be served by him. Uh, this, this master, he's so wonderful, he's so gracious, he's so generous, he's so fun to be around because you think you're serving him and the next thing you know, you're the one at the table enjoying the banquet. You're the one on the receiving end. And this is who Jesus is. Okay, this is who Jesus is, the master who serves. See, he's Jesus. He's the king. He's the judge. He's the coming king. He's the one before every knee will bow. And yet he's the king who delights in serving, in putting on a banquet. Uh, this is the king who just keeps giving, 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 giving. He's done it the most, in the most dramatic way by going to the cross for us. And so when, when you see that, hang on, this is the king who serves, what a privilege it is to serve him. What a joy to wait for him. How exciting is it that we're actually going to see this king, this king who serves servants. And uh, when he comes, he is going to put on a banquet, the marriage supper of the lamb, it's called in Revelation. And that will be a banquet like no other. And you'll get to sit there with him. It's just incredible. And see, this is, it's, it's those who know what it is to be served by Jesus. They're the ones who are waiting. They're the ones who are ready. They're the ones who are eager to see him, who are longing for his return. Well, when will that be, though? When will Jesus come again? Well, have a look at verses 39 to 40. Because Jesus answers it with another little parable. He says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, uh, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, this, this is something that Jesus often does. He often likens his coming to that of a thief. Now, why would he do that? Why would he want to liken himself to a thief? Doesn't sound very nice. Well, the reason he does it is because thieves don't tell you ahead of time when they're turning up. They don't send a note ahead uh, when they're going to break in. They just, they just come out of the blue. It's unexpected. And that's the point that Jesus is making. Look, there is no point ever trying to predict when Jesus is coming again. Okay, lots of people do it. And they do it because they ignore what Jesus says. He says, I'm coming when you do not expect. That's the end of the story. Don't have to try and predict the date. Uh, he, he is coming at a time that we don't know, which means we have to be ready at all times. Uh, we do that with thieves, don't we? Who here locks their door at night? Who here locks their car when they leave it in a car park? Uh, why do we do that? It's because just in case someone breaks in. You know, we know that there's a high chance that that could happen. And so we prepare for that likely event by locking our doors every single night or every single day. And uh, some of you even buy um, expensive security equipment. So you're ready in case the thief comes. Now, how much more 
should we be ready for when Jesus comes? And that's the point of this first section. The need to be ready. He is coming. We don't know when. Be ready at all times. That's the first point. Okay, second, Jesus tells us what it actually looks like to be ready. Okay, how would you know in your life, how would you know if you're ready for Jesus coming? Well, he tells us what it looks like in this next section, in verses 41 to 46. And he does it in response to Peter's question. See, Peter jumps in, he says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And, well, Peter's one of these guys who, if he thinks it, he says it. And uh, in this case, we can kind of see what's going on in Peter's mind because Peter, uh, actually, if you follow through chapter 12 in Luke, in verse 1, 13 and 22, we get these little snapshots of, of what the scene looked like. So Jesus, he was talking to his disciples and had a massive crowd around them listening in. And so Peter's hearing Jesus saying, you've got to be ready for my coming. And Peter's thinking, we don't need to hear that. We're fine. It's the crowd. So Jesus, are you telling this to us or to everyone else? And uh, Peter's like that guy who, um, who, who, you know, if he's hearing a sermon, he's constantly thinking to himself, boy, I wish so-and-so were here to hear this which is fine, but the trouble with thinking about what the sermon's saying to other people is you're not thinking about what it's saying to you. And that's the, when Jesus responds to Peter's question, this is what, where he goes. Because he knows that it's so easy for us to go, I don't need to listen to this. I'm already okay. And think about everyone else. Uh, but Jesus wants to narrow in and so he gives the answer, which is an, an expansion of the first parable. And the answer is, yes, Peter, I am speaking to you. And yes, Peter, I am speaking to everyone. But Peter, I want you to make sure you are ready. I want to make sure that you, on that day when I come again, that you are ready. And so Jesus tells us what it looks like. And what he wants to know when he comes, is not only will we be waiting, but will we be faithful? Will we be faithfully serving him? And so Jesus, he puts it like this, verse 42. The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing, or so doing, when he comes, truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So notice how Jesus narrows in on one particular servant, the manager. And by doing that, he is really highlighting Peter and the other apostles. Because in, in a sense, they had a manager's uh, role in uh, their service to Jesus. You know, they were designated apostles. They were entrusted with the gospel to pass that message on uh, to the world. And so in that sense, they had a manager's role and they were to be faithful in that role. However, the underlying principle that this parable states applies equally to all of us. And that is that in the roles that God has given us, in the things that he has called us to do, are you faithful in that? Are you faithfully carrying out all the things that God has given you to do? 
So, for example, um, if, if you work, uh, God has put you into that role, are you faithful in that? Do you work as if you're serving Jesus himself? Uh, if you're married, are you faithful in your marriage? Are you treating your spouse the way Christ has treated us? Uh, if, you're, if you're a parent, are you faithful in your parenting? Are you bringing your children up in the fear and knowledge of the Lord? And all of us, we're all called to be faithful in obedience. We're called to be faithful in prayer, faithful in loving others, serving others, faithful in spreading the gospel. Are you faithful? Uh, in light of the last two weeks where uh, Jesus talked about uh, money, are you faithful in handling your money? Remember last week, God provides us with everything we need to free us up from worrying about it so we can seek the kingdom. And part of seeking the kingdom is using the things that God has blessed us with to then bless others, you know, to share with those in need, to invest in the work of the kingdom. Are you faithfully doing that? See, the point that Jesus is making from this parable is that if he were to suddenly appear, would he find you faithfully carrying out the tasks that God has given you to do? Would he find you faithful? If he were to show up this afternoon or tomorrow morning or on Wednesday afternoon, would he find you faithfully carrying out all the things that he's called you to do? See, that's what it looks like to be ready. It's, it's not just waiting, it's faithfully serving. That's what it looks like. But then Jesus, to help us to really think more deeply about this, he then contrasts that with an unfaithful servant. Okay, if we want to know what it looks like, here's what it doesn't look like. Listen to the unfaithful servant, <clears throat> verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and get drunk. Uh, so, okay, what's the mistake that this servant has made? He's assumed that because the master is de delayed, that he can live any way he likes and get away with it. He's assumed that the, the delay, well, it's really, it's lulled him into this sense of false security, that he can just live any way he likes. And no one will know. Maybe he thinks he can sort himself out later, just in the nick of time. Uh, just sadly, many people make that same mistake. They assume because God hasn't intervened in the world, you know, Jesus hasn't come back, that that means that he's never coming back. That means that there is no accountability, that we can live however we like and it doesn't matter. But the New Testament often reminds us that we should never assume that God's delay of judgment day is a sign that it's never going to happen. Uh, passages like uh, Romans 2, verses 3 to 11, 2 Peter 3, verses 3 to 10, these passages tell us that God has delayed judgment day not because he can't get around to it, but the reason he's delayed is because he's waiting for you to repent. He's giving you time to turn back to him. right? But he's not going to hold that off forever. There's time right now, but that we have no idea how long that will last. 
And so if we think we can put off turning from those things that we know displease him, if we think we can, we can put that off, you're in a very dangerous position. He's not going to hold off Judgment Day forever. <clears throat> and have a look at how Jesus finishes describing this unfaithful servant. So verse 46, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Can you imagine being that servant? Can you imagine that being that servant, living your life as if you were the master, living selfishly, thinking that you can get away with whatever you like, you'll never be brought to account. And then suddenly, when you don't even expect it, Jesus shows up and you're right in the middle of doing something that you know he hates. How shameful that will be. Do you know, maybe the most shocking thing, though, is what happens to the unfaithful servant. You know, cut into pieces. How gruesome. Put with the unfaithful. Now, remember, this is a parable. This is figurative language. Uh, people don't lit- won't literally be cut up into little pieces. But remember, this is a parable, which means that this is a picture of something far worse, something far more serious. And see, Jesus is actually drawing an Old Testament picture. Uh, and I don't have time to go into explaining um, the whole idea of uh, the curse of the covenant and separation and all of that. But what it is, it's a picture of eternal punishment. It's a picture of separation from God. You know, put with the unfaithful. That's to be shut out of God's presence for all of eternity. And that might sound over the top. That might sound very harsh. But Jesus goes on to underscore the fairness of punishment. But on Judgment Day, when when people are punished for rejecting God, that there is a fairness in that punishment. Jesus underscores that in verses 47 to 48. So have a look at that. He says, The servant who, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Do you see how there's, there's grades of punishment? And what are those grades based on? Or what are those degrees based on? They're based on how much you knew. Okay, if you knew what God required of you and you chose not to do it, you chose to ignore him, then you've got no one to blame when judgment finally comes. In fact, no one's off the hook because there's a sense in which everyone knows. I read Romans 1 at some time if you want to know more about that. But we see here that if you know you need to repent and you choose not to, or you think you can do that later on, but then you miss the boat, you've only got yourself to blame. And so I ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of Jesus? Well, at this point, maybe uh, some of you here are feeling a bit anxious, wondering, well, am I actually ready? Now, especially in light of this last point, if, if we're going to be judged according 
to whether we've lived up to what we know. How are you going to do? How are you going to go on Judgment Day? What about all those things in our lives that we've left undone? What about all those sermons we've heard where we've thought, oh, yikes, I better put that into practice, but we don't actually get around to doing it? Uh, What about this? If we know that Jesus could turn up any moment, do our lives actually reflect that knowledge? Do we really live in light of the fact that Jesus could come any moment? Let me give you an example. Evangelism. If we really believe that Jesus could turn up any minute, wouldn't we want to be telling our family members about him? Wouldn't we want to warn them? And yet we don't get around to it. What does that say? We're not actually putting into practice what we know we should be doing. This is scary. What about all of those moments of weakness in our lives? What about when temptation overwhelms you? Can you imagine if Jesus turned up right in the middle of that? What does this mean for us? It means that in one sense we are all unfaithful servants. We all deserve judgment. See, by our own record, not not one of us in this room could stand on judgment day. Do you know what this means? It means that every single one of us here need a saviour. Every one of us need a saviour. We need a saviour to come and rescue us from the punishment that we all deserve. And see, Jesus, he is that true and faithful servant who has come the first time and went to the cross and took on all of our unfaithfulness He took that upon himself and he was punished in our place. That's what the cross is all about. See, Jesus, he got the beating that we deserved. He got the reality that being cut into pieces points to. He got that on the cross in our place for all the times where we are unfaithful. And he did that so that we can be forgiven, so that he can make us ready for the day when he comes to judge. See, by ending the parable like this, by by putting it in these terms, what is Jesus doing? He's actually pushing us to realise that we need him, that we need him to be our saviour, that we can't do it on our own, uh, that, that we would not rely on our own record of faithfulness but on his. And that's the only way to be ready for his coming. Being ready for his coming, it means being right with God and the only way you can be right with God is by repenting of your sin and turning to the Lord Jesus. Now, does that mean you can spend the rest of your life living any way you like? Well, of course not. Think about it. If Jesus has gone to the cross and taken your punishment on himself then wouldn't you want to serve him all the more faithfully? Wouldn't you see it as a privilege to serve the one who has first served you? And see, that's the point of this last, ver- uh, this last sentence. Jesus says, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And when you read that in, in the light of the cross, now you can see 
that the work of Christ doesn't release us from the obligation to serve him. It increases it. How much more do we want to serve the Lord Jesus when we know what he has done for us? See, Jesus, he actually wants us to be like those servants at the start, the servants who were so eager to serve their master, who, who couldn't wait for him to come home because they knew what it was like for their master to serve them. They knew what the master was like. You know, they were servants who served their master not out of fear of punishment, but out of the joy of relationship. And that's what Jesus has come to create. He's come to create a people who serve him out of love, out of gratitude. He's come to make a people who long for him to return, not out of fear, but out of joy. He's come to make a people who are busy doing his will, not trying to, I have to do this so I can earn my place in his kingdom, but no, no, who are doing it because they already have it given as a gift. That's what Jesus came to make. And so I ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Are you trusting in him? Are you resting in his work for you? That's how you can be ready. And then you serve him out of the joy of what he has done for you. That's how you can be ready. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that we see here uh, the way that he is for us, that he is a servant king. We thank you, Lord, that as he said, he didn't come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We thank you, Father, for that ransom. We thank you that he was willing to be cut in two for us, that he was willing to be separated and to experience the eternal punishment that we deserved. We thank you, Father, that he was willing to go to the cross for us to save us from our sin so that we can be made your people. And, Lord, we pray that we would reflect deeply every day on, on what Jesus has done for us so that we would be motivated to serve him out of love. We pray, Lord, that we would also long for his coming, that we would be so eager to see Jesus face to face and to be able to thank him uh, in that way for all that he has done. And, Father, we pray that that would also motivate us to serve him faithfully, that we would want to have uh, that, that joy of being able to say to him, Lord, I served you. I put you first. And so help us to do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.